You're listening to the iterators of the Imperium. Hello, and welcome back to the iterators of the Imperium. I am one of your usual hosts, Ryan, but things are a little different today. Mez is not with us. He is currently moving house, so for a couple of episodes, I'm going to have a special guest with me. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, uh, thanks for the opportunity, Ryan. So, uh, my name is uh, Niels Blume. One may notice that I'm not a native English speaker. Um, I'm a German native living in Germany, and I do not get uh, the opportunity so often to talk uh, in the English language. So, I'm a little bit rusty on that. And uh, I'm quite a big fan of Warmer 40k, which uh, is, I get. Uh, why is uh, which is why I get the opportunity to talk on these uh, on this podcast, <laughs> and um, I think the the biggest point is that I would love to um, talk to one warmer forty k expert to another, which is maybe uh, quite a big uh, difference to the normal episodes. Yeah, so that is probably going to be the biggest difference here. Uh which is that rather than it being a teaching opportunity for me teaching Mez, who knows nothing about this, the difference is that I think you actually probably know more about Warmer 40k than I do, uh, which is, it's going to be a, quite a different mechanic, you know, it's going to work quite a bit differently, which I appreciate. So uh, just for everyone watching, this first episode is probably just going to be us kind of chatting a bit about the general topic and stuff like that, rather than trying to, you know, pass on specific information to the viewers yeah yeah so i figured that a a good place to start would actually be to mention a how it is that we ended up talking in the first place because yeah. so for anyone that doesn't know i collect the limited edition copies of a the new releases of the warhammer novels or 40k novels specifically i haven't gotten into the sigmar ones just yet i've got a couple of them but i'm not i'm not getting too far into that one that's too much money <laughs> i think to be collecting all of them across the board uh and i i post these uh, i post these novels that i managed to acquire on instagram and you obviously do your uh, reviews of the books on instagram don't you Yes, so um, like Ryan, um, I started collecting a limited editions book of uh, Warmer 40k uh, of the Black Library. And um, because I'm a, a big fan of the Warmer 40k universe, but mostly of the law aspect of it. So yes. everything which is the iterators of the Imperium podcast about, um, that is also what is what, why I get, uh, why I got into this hobby. And um, I do. Uh, I started last year um, in in May, I think, with um, posting uh, pictures of my limited editions. But um, early on, I I thought um, that I do not want to. Um, I do not want to push myself with just uh, getting a praise. Race on on my limited editions, but I wanted to um, review the books from which I got the limited editions to uh, maybe give the uh, readers of my reviews uh, a better understanding of Warhammer 40k or what the book is all about. If it uh, gets a recommendation of myself or um, the opposite. 
Yeah. Uh, so, out of curiosity, what was the last book that you've reviewed now? In case I've missed one of them on your Instagram. The last book I reviewed, um, it was Belisario's called The Great Work. I already read Gene Father, and my last book that, which I read was uh, Siege of Terror, the Siege of from from the Siege of Terror series, um, the latest book like uh, the End and the Task Volume Two. But um, right now, I I haven't done uh, a review about Gene Father or Siege of Terror um, for quite some time. Um, but I'm working on it. Ah, I'm excited for your Gene Father review. That'll be good. That'll be interesting. Gene Father was an excellent book, although it has it has pretty severe implications for for the lore around it. Yeah, of course. It, Gene Father is um, like the the latest book um, regarding the um, events of modern Warhammer 40k, like the Erandomatus, what is going about with Booty Gilliman, the Lion, so on and so on. But um, regarding the actual chronological events, uh, interestingly enough, it isn't the latest one. Because um, um, Gene Father takes place really right before Gilliman is about to enter uh, Imperium Nihilus for the first time. And yeah, like so when, it would be before the Lions return. Yeah. Well, mm, the novel about uh, the Lions arguably, return. Um, <laughs> because the line could also yeah, no you're right because um, my point was that Devastation of Baal is like the latest or better to say the follow up like uh, Darkness and Blood is the latest one mm -hmm. um, but in Devastation of Baal um, one may note that uh, Gilliman turns up and saves um, the, the um, last uh, sons of, of the Blood Angels Mm -hmm. Like Dante and so on, and uh, Dante is the first one to meet the um, lion and to um, get him the knowledge that Rubuti Gilliman lives. So you are right on that point. Yes, uh, but that one, the the lion novel, also takes place after Darkness and the Blood, because yeah. in Darkness and the Blood they argue about whether or not Dante should become a Primaris. And exactly. when he turns up in the Lion novel, he is a Primaris. So it takes place after. So yeah, the Lion one must be technically the most recent. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what did you think of uh, of the great work? Um, I think that I liked the great work more than Gene Father because uh, we all it's it's like the link between the dark imperium trilogy um which was all about booty gilliman fighting a mortarian yes. and uh, we also got um, interesting characters and um the one connecting the bridge between the dark imperium trilogy and gene father um in the great work was the character of felix uh, felix yes. is like the former equerry of the uh, of the primarch of Rupert gilliman and uh, was also announced uh, as a tetrarch tetrarch was tetrach. it pronounced tetrarch um of the modern word, yeah the difficult word um of the modern um realm of ultramar and yeah. um, so he just to, just yes. to check the tetrarchs how many planets is it they oversee is it 
third? Because isn't there like 300 worlds of Ultramar? So isn't it three tetrarchs that basically cover uh, 100 each or something like that? It's 500 worlds. 500 worlds. That's what it is. But that was only the former realm, like when Gilliman ruled over Ultramar or or the realm of Ultramar in 30k, like uh, during the Great Crusade, uh, Siege of Terror, Horse Heresy, Mm -hmm. Great Scattering. Um, it was like round about 500 words. I think it's also just a, a figure, figure of speech to, to, to say 500 words. Yeah, it's easier and, to say 500 than it is to say 487. Or 530, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for, for that instance. <laughs> yes. And um, with the codex, um, with the implementation of the codex Astratis and the... Um, the shrinking of the legion size to two chapters. I think he also um, broke the realm of Ultramar apart so that his um, own chapter, like the Ultramarines, um, could better rule that part because for a chapter of only 1,000 Space Marines to roll a realm of Ultramar, which is, I think, maybe also the biggest part of the galactic map, like, I uh, believe the, so, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the was it called Pacificus uh, Solar and uh, uh, Segmentum. Segmentum. Exactly, Segmentum um, Ultramar. I think it's it's the biggest one. It, it wasn't logical, but <laughs> um, nowadays Gilliman, um, as he says in the Dark Imperium trilogy, um, remem- remembers about his decision. So he he thinks that he did a mistake. To, to split yeah. um, the realm of Ultramar and he um, has forced all of the rumors of the former parts of the big realm of Ultramar to um, get this done to, to one big realm again. Yeah. And I think nowadays it's once again the 500 worlds uh, of Ultramar uh, which are combined like the realm of Ultramar and uh, I think Roundabout each tetrarch has um, like 120 worlds, 125. But then again, I think they are also nomad when it comes to the ranks of Ultramars. Like they are really five because I think Manius Kalga isn't a tetrarch, but um, also gets the responsibility for uh, McGreg, for example. Ah, yes. Yeah. That and some sense, words, yeah. some words which are connected to McGreg in, in its immediate vicinity. I, I would yeah. suggest. So, like, there, I would say there are actually five tetrarchs, <laughs> which is quite funny because tetrarchs, as one may know, is it, it's Latin for four. So, yeah, no, I did, I did not know that, but good to know. <laughs> like, it's not. Tetrach does not mean four, but uh, it's uh, the origin of Tetrach, of the name Tetrach, comes from four. Yes, I. <laughs> yeah. Good to know, though. Yeah. It's it's a, it's the Dark Imperium trilogy that has the scene where Gilliman is, like, staring at all the calendars currently used in the Imperium. And he's just yes. like, no wonder no one knows what fucking year it is. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, also uh, a part which um, gets rewinded in uh, Gene Father, and uh, it's actually quite interesting because um, Gilliman, as you had mentioned, um, he 
acknowledges the fact that there is no coherent timeline for yeah. for the Imperium. So because of the 10,000 long reign of, of the Imperium and the decline of the bureaucracy and um, because all, everyone knows that in 40k uh, the Imperium is like always on the decline since uh, yeah. um, since the Horus <laughs> Heresy. Since the Age of Technology. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really to to live in uh, in the Imperium in the modern warmer 40k universe. Uh, it's it's not a great thing. Yeah, it's pretty grim. <laughs> if if you do not live like an Ultram, which is like the the whole example of of being a citizen. Yeah, and although to be fair, even during the Dark Imperium novels, it didn't make living in Ultramar sound particularly great. No, not when um, some greater Primarch is invading the realm. Not exactly, yes. Yeah. Do, do you, right, I want to check with you. Do you happen to remember the part in one of the Dark Imperium novels where it describes Mortarian as being like 40 feet tall? And then it, it never, there's no point in them mentioning it because it has no bearing on the story. And at the time, I think he's just having a conversation with someone. So he's not like, he's not trying to intimidate anyone or fight anyone. He's just giant for like one chapter or one scene for no reason. Mm, I cannot quite um, remind myself of, uh, of that scene. Um, also not of the of, of the text passage where where is it yeah. uh, where where it's called that he's uh, like forty foot tall, um, but I can surely Im imagine that it's written down there because like from all the traitor primarchs, um, Mortarian was the biggest one, uh, which w like he was already tall as a normal primarch without being yeah. uh, a, a, a chaos. Primark, uh, like a, a Senate Chaos Primark, uh, mm. Demon Primark. But um, when he ascended to, to Demonhood, um, uh, it was already, it, it was written um, that he was then again stretched to, to yeah. enormous heights. And uh, as Demon Primarchs, like we can see with Magnus, like he hasn't got uh, a, a fixed form. The yeah. form which we know of Magnus is only his form he chooses to to stay in, but yeah. he can also be like one hundred foot tall. I could imagine. Yes. Um, maybe I, it's I believe not Fulgrim seems to be the only one with a relatively fixed form, but it Angron? seems like he's just made that decision. But what about Engron? I would say he's the the, the uh, oh, fair best point. Yes. example I... of of having a fixed form because Fulgrim yeah. also um, he changes choose... size. Fulgrim does change size. And he could also choose um, to be in his former, uh, not demonic Primarch form, but his original Primarch form. Does he ever um, do that? Because I don't remember it ever happening. I but... do not know how far you have gotten into certain books, so I do not want to Fair. spoil you. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> But yeah, yes. you might be right, actually. Angron might be the most fixed one. Because <laughs> I think the thing about Angron is maybe he could do that, but <laughs> he has just not the mind for it to do it. Yeah, because potentially. From, from all of the four um, classic demonic Primarchs, um, he's one 
he is pure rage. So there is no, yeah. so is nothing left of uh, of a mind capacity to to have coherent thoughts. Yeah, you're you're probably right. He probably he probably has the ability to do it, but not like the wherewithal to actually you know go through with it. Yeah, I could imagine that because like from all the other primarchs, the demonic primarchs, there is the uh, hint that they can change forms. Yes. Uh, every curiosity, right? I have a question for you about that. That's right. Yes. Which I'm sure we mentioned this last time we spoke, but. Uh, which demon Primarch do you think will, or which Chaos Primarch do you think will be the next one to make an active appearance? None of this, like, uh, Lorgar being mentioned in the background or that, actually turning up mm -hmm. in the story, like Angron has and stuff like that. So, chronologically, we, uh, from, from active rules of demonic Primarchs in modern Warhammer 40k, we got first Angron during the second war of during the first war of Armageddon. Yes, um, where he got banished from By the, Grey, the Knights. Grey Knights. Exactly. I think to some extent we also got Mortarian, who was also banished by Calder Drago, who carved yeah. his name in a badass manner into his heart. But I, I do not know if there was a certain story about it. So let's just uh, stay fixed on Angron. Um, Rather recently, during the in Dark uh, Imperium era or um, era Indomitus, we got Magnus, mm -hmm. who faced Gilliman on the Moon of Terror. Magnus was also around before that, I believe, because he attacks a... He tries Fenris, to take... Right? Hmm? He attacks Fenris, right? Yeah, he tries to take revenge, but interestingly, I believe it's been like hundreds of or thousands of years since the burning of Prospero, but when he turns up, he states that it's only been like a matter of like 50 weeks or something like that for them, which is quite interesting. Oh. The warp really messes with time, but yeah, so Magnus was around back then as well when he attacked the Fang. Also, interestingly enough about that, because I, I wasn't aware of that fact, um, is because Magnus is like the prime example for for knowledge like yes yeah. is also the, the most uh, chaotic uh, entity um which is connected to to knowledge to wisdom yeah. and so on and so on like in a twisted way of course mm -hmm. but nonetheless <laughs> and it's interesting that magnus isn't sure about the fact of of, of the coherent time to to uh say that it has only been 15, 50 weeks or what, whatever. So, interestingly, yeah. wasn't aware of that. And after Magnus, we got... Um, <clears throat> let me just think about it. We got a Mortarian again, like in the Dark Imperium trilogy. Yeah. It's all about Mortarian. And um, the latest Primark to rematch was, uh, once again, Angron. Uh, we see him during the uh, Arcs of Ohm campaign. Like, he yes. got uh, a specific Arcs of Ohm book, and uh, we There's see him again. In, him in the modern day. Uh, also, exactly, yes, of course. He also got uh, his own novel, which isn't really about him, but. It's also that's not another, particularly good. Either. <laughs> uh, that's, an, that's another point for itself. And uh, he got um, his last mention in the last Arcs of Ohm campaign book, which was also all about the line. Mm -hmm. So we got uh, in chronological order: Angron, Magnus, Mortarian, Angron. Bulgrim is in there as well. 
Yes, but uh, more like in a... Uh, more as a background or a secondary character exactly, rather yeah, than like exactly. out in the world attacking stuff. So from the remaining Primarchs, which we have not mentioned like in a active appearance-like manner, uh, yeah. we have got a remaining Fulgrim, we have got uh, Lorga, we have got Pethrebo, that's it, right? Alpharius yeah. Omegon are dead, supposedly. Ah. Um, <laughs> Curse is... Seriously dead? Ah, so, like, really dead. Ev evidence dead? Horus is evidence dead. Mm. Um, so we have got like three of these remaining. And since the release or, or re-emergence of um, a Primark, Demon Primark is always connected to the franchise of Warhammer 40k because of we also have to take... We have to step out of our Warhammer 40k bubble, law bubble and... Uh, it's all about the money. <laughs> Exactly, one step back into reality. I would say it's going to be Fulgrim because we haven't got uh, the new models of uh, Noise Marines, of Slaneshi Chaos Space Marines for ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think that's the next back release um, because we already got uh, Thousand Suns. We got in the 8th edition, we got. Uh, a really great take on the uh, Plague Marines and um, the latest one was the, the Cornite uh, Marines, so like all about the World Eaters, so I think it's going to be Fulgrim and yeah, that that would be my take. Of course, I would love to see Perth Robo, which is personally my favorite Demon Primark uh, or Traitor Primark, better to say. Yeah. Um, oh no, he is a Demon Primark. Yeah, yeah, he, he's a demon Primarch, but um, I wanted to say from all of the traitor-sided ah, Primarchs. Right, okay, so, yes, because ah, Curse uh, never yeah. became a demon and so on and so forth. Yeah, fair. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I could see Fulgrim absolutely being the next one. Like, talking purely in, like, a lore point of view, I could see yeah. Fulgrim being the next one because he's been around the most, I guess, out of the ones yeah. that haven't turned up yet. Um, yeah. I think if he does come into it, it's either going to be as, like, a revenge against Gilliman to, like, try and finish what he started and kill him properly, or he'd be dragged out by whatever Bile is planning next to try and, like, put an end to his, like, rebellious son. Yeah, so when it comes down to Fulgrim, um, I haven't thought about that, so it's it's also pure uh, hypothesis. Um, but um, but I think your take uh, about Fabius Bile is a great one because Fabius Bile has been uh, has gotten much attention from Black Library in the recent years. So we got yeah. a whole trilogy about him. The latest work of Gene Father is all about the conflict between Belisarius Call and Fabius Bile, yeah. and also Fabius Bile got something in that book i'm not going to spoil what he got but he got something which <laughs> all, of course makes it again more interesting to see what comes out from that and uh, so there would be of course a, a, a nice connection to 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 that mm, not necessarily so because like engron also doesn't give a damn about a card for example yeah, fair. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's due to his nature. And um, <laughs> Fulgrim and Fabius Bile are much more connected, uh, also in modern form of 40k, like in, in opposition to, to Engron and, uh, and Khan. And the other thing would be, of course, that um, 
he could not also uh, he he just could not also face Gilliman, but of course the lion. Since mm-hmm. we have got now a, a second loyal primer to 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 be on on stage, so maybe yeah. there's also something like that. And all Fulgrim already you said to take revenge on Gilliman. Um, and corrected, I, I would say corrected yourself in, in the same sentence because yeah. he bested Gilliman. He, yeah, he, yeah, take, it wouldn't be he took him out, he nearly killed him. Yeah. And he took him out of the board for like for 10,000 years. So yeah. without Gilliman, there has been such a great decline for the Imperium. Mm-hmm. And um, I think he, he, he got him good to say. Oh, he did, yes. <laughs> yeah, he definitely did. <laughs> Uh, see, I don't know how they would relate Fulgrim into Bile's storyline. Because as it yeah. stands, as far as I'm concerned, it looks like what we're going to get is this war between uh, between Bile and uh, Call, where it's going to be like yes. a recreation of the, uh, the war in heaven, but like in miniature. So rather than it being this galaxy-spanning war... We're gonna have this like essentially two generals leading an army each against each other, representing one side of the war in heaven. So you'll have Call representing the Necrons using technology and engineering to fight, and Bill uh, and a uh, Bile representing the old ones using this like gene manipulation and mutants and stuff to fight, which is essentially what they did because they made the Eldar and the humans and the the Crocs and everything like that. To fight back against the Necron technology, so I think that's what is that's leading to anyway. Setting those two against each other and making such a clear point of like the difference in the way they do things, it seems like too much of a similarity to the past to not have this like let's have the past repeat itself as a storyline. That'll be fun. Funnily enough, um, I would say that I'm not on the same page with you on on that take. Um, I. I see the similarities uh, you mm. mentioned, but uh, I would say it's just uh, without the um, inclination of, of uh, that being the, the, the um, ancient dispute between Necrons and the old ones. I would say it's just um, from a modern aspect mm. um, a, a, a good opposition because both of them are great genius. Uh, have a great genius and both of them are like the prime examples for for gene craft like Fabio Spile of course with all his experience starting in the 30k with mm-hmm. um, experimenting on on his um, brother um, space marines creating the noise marines um, creating uh, cloned primarchs and um, creating drugs um, all about that and also his um, own aim to to achieve um, the next human um, species to to survive the horrors of uh, yeah the, everything the new man yeah exactly and to, essentially Bile wants to cre- wants to to fulfill um, the goal of the emperor which is all yeah. in a twisted kind of way of course because Fibre Bile is <laughs> he is a bad guy. Yeah. He's, <laughs> He's not twisted, a good yeah. guy. Um, but essentially, he wants to to fulfill the emperor's promise to to give the galaxy to uh, humans. 
but yeah. his humans because he wants to be the creator. And um, Belisarius Call, of course, is the other part of that medal because uh, he created um, the Primaris, Primaris Marines. He uh, improved the work of the Emperor due to uh, Gilliman trusting him and giving him the genetic material. And um, those... I never thought about it before that book, but of course those stood in direct... Um, opposition. Stood in yeah, stood in direct opposition to, to each other. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to see them clash for once, but I would not say that it has to be uh, a replay of, of yes, the uh, uh, War of Heaven. I, th I think at the very least it'll be like a similar inspiration behind it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, or at the very least it's like themed to be similar to it. But also, I, I think you... Uh, I think you've misunderstood uh, Fabius Biles, um hey. his motivations. Yes. I think you've... Because you're, you said that he wants to be the one to create this new this new version of humanity which will take over the galaxy. And it, it's not that he wants to create it, it's that he feels he is the only one that can. He's yes. like, he still believes he's following like, n not like a divine purpose, but I, I guess that he's the only one that can do what the Emperor wanted, for lack of a better yes. term. That, yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting though because most of humanity's like way of of war, of fighting and stuff like that is the idea that uh, we have to make the galaxy safe for humanity, and Bile is going about it in the opposite way where he's like, no, no, I'll just make humanity tough enough to take on the galaxy. <laughs> galaxy don't have to be safe. Humanity needs to be tougher. <laughs> that is a really good take, actually. Yeah. Because the whole point of the new men is that they're faster, they're stronger, they have better uh, instincts. They are biologically or evolutionary, uh, or evolutionarily. There's a word there somewhere. Uh, they're <laughs> smarter in that sense too. They will, uh, they will naturally breed a uh, like beneficial traits. So if one of their like one generation has children in it, which are like I don't know, I guess they have like too large a muscle mass or something like that they yes. will intentionally breathe that out so that they're not too big and bulky because then they become less agile things like that they, they actually intentionally breed good traits into their future offspring which is quite cool but it means that as time goes on they're only going to get better and better as killers yeah or, or better to say they are only getting better better to, to survive whatever confronts them yeah, exactly. I think the only thing they aren't like particularly because the new men at the stage they're at, I think around the third Fabius Bile novel, by that stage they are like more than capable of murdering uh, space marines. Yes, yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah, but I don't think they're up to much against psychers. I don't think it's something they've ever had much exposure to. So well, I don't I, know I... if they'd be any good at that in particular. They, what I think it's most interesting about them, like uh, what I read, again I I've only read the first one of the um, trilogy of uh, of the Fabio Spire books, 
And uh, of course, the, the latest one, Gene yeah, Father, Father. Uh, where Fabrice Ball takes a, a big role. And I think uh, he mentions again in the Gene Father that his creation, I do not know if it's already is a new man or if it's like one stage ahead of the new man. I, I think I think the one he has with him in Gene Father is like the next thing beyond new man. But I, yeah, he isn't I, calling I, it new man anymore, isn't he? No, I, I think yeah. that something... Ha- it's been a while since I read the last of the Fabius Bile novels. Yeah. I believe something happens that he basically decides to distance himself from the new men and yeah. let them just do their own thing. Because, again, yeah. he set them up to this point that they will breed and evolve on their own and they will train yeah. themselves and stuff like that. So I think that the the mutant or the creation he has with him in Gene Father is an entirely new thing. But based on the new men, I think it's yes. like new men combined with like alien ge- genealogy rather than just advancing uh, humanities. Exactly. I think he mentioned that uh, he he's so proud of of his product to say so. Yeah. Um, because it's it's uh, it has evolved naturally without him doing something about it, without yeah. him being uh, with him, without him needing to to interact with it. So I think it's a product from the, the new man, whatever. Um, yeah, creating something new, and I think interestingly enough that um, this new species. Or whatever um, is resistant to chaos. Yes, uh, I, I think we're we're probably going to be looking at a new novel that kind of focuses to explain a bit more about that. Uh, which I, I think it's something that will piqued a lot of people's interests. Also, yeah. it, I, I don't know if it was just me, right? Because there's a lot in the conversation in Gene Father between Bile and Call at that kind of, their actual point of meeting, right? Mm. There's a lot in there that uh, suggests that Call has... So, for anyone who doesn't know, Belisarius Call has the first Primaris Marine he ever made with him at basically all times because it's like his personal bodyguard. Uh, Alpha Primus is the name, yes? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and Alpha Primus is a psyker as well as the first Primaris Marine. And he seems to be a bit better than the rest. Uh, but Bill, uh, no, but Fabius Bile seems to suggest after, you know, stealing his gene seed that that he is a Primarch. <laughs> that Call has handcrafted a Primarch Primaris. Well, as it... Or at least something closer to that. Yeah, yeah, I have some points to that, of course. Big spoiler mark on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, on big spoiler on on the the um, on the story of Gene Faser. Uh, I think um, Alpha Primus isn't actually the first Primaris Marine. Like that's what Bile calls him, but Alpha Primus also has got like a dream. A vision or um, psychic vision where uh, he wanders around in a space and sees like many capsules uh, uh, classified as as alpha. So there yeah. there have been many alphas before him, but uh, Berizarius call calls him Alpha Primus 
to to his own demise. So Alpha Primus is not a big fan of that. I, and I was under the impression that that those other tanks you see that are all labeled as like Alpha were. Mm. I was under the impression that was like showing the the process that uh, Call went through trying to perfect the Primaris, and they were all the other failed versions. And Alpha Primus, as we know him, was the first one that like succeeded, for lack of a better term. So that's why I thought he was the first Primaris Marine. Well, I'm I'm not sure about. I could be wrong. That. Yeah, I, I'm not sure about that, but I think Alpha Primus. Uh, mentions himself that he thinks that before he was created, there have been others like him. Right. Okay. Maybe yeah, not exactly point. like him, uh, but right. having having same gifts like him. And yeah. also, um, Alpha Primus is a of again. Uh, uh, sorry for the pronunciation. Chimera, chi Chimera. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Chimera. What's up? Yeah, so I think um, by uh, a call as um, splice different gene seeds together to to create primus. Oh. So maybe there is primer gene seed in there. I'm not sure about it, but there's definitely different legion gene seed in there. So um, so there's probably some thousand sons, for example, to make him a psyker, things like that. Yeah, I would. I would strongly suggest that. Yeah, because. Bayer is really surprised about the potential of, of the psychic potential of Alpha Primus. Yeah. And uh, he also says that Alpha Primus hasn't reached his whole potential of yeah. psychic of psychic talent for for instance. So I, I I think there's also like his raw physical endurance or strength, something like that. Um which is of course also a great a great part of him. And I could also fathom that he hasn't reached his, um, his limits also on, on these parts. And Bayle says the whole clue on the book of Gene Father is that um, Cole thinks that Bayle is behind the, oh, what's it called, Marta Portem, like the, the genetic material uh, which was left of the Emperor uh, in creating the Primarchs. Oh, the, uh, the Sang Primus Portem. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's the, the one. one. And, it's a horrible um, term to try and remember. <laughs> quite difficult term, of course. Um, but call, uh, but Bile isn't behind the. Signal, uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's behind Alpha Primus because Alpha Primus is like the best thing compared to, to uh, this original mat uh, genetic material. Because yes, aye. Cole would Cole, never get the original, but he could easily get Alpha Primus. Yeah, because Cole has perfected his craft into Alpha Primus. So yeah. Alpha Primus is, Alpha Primus gene seed, better to say, is everything... Um, kind of distilled into the useful part. crazy genetic uh, crafter could wish for. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, uh, basically, yeah, you're right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, I'm excited to see what comes from that next, but I think that the gist of it is that's going to lead to, uh, again, for anyone that doesn't know, uh, in Gene Father, there seems to be some implications that Bile is... 
against his own will, working for Abaddon in some way. So I think that this is uh, going to lead to Primaris Chaos Marines. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's what the point there, of this is. Yeah, there's a strong suggestion that uh, Abaddon wants to have something uh, to to face off the yeah. Primaris Marines, and I think it's going to be like chaotic Primaris Marines. Yeah. Because I, interesting, also interestingly, it's called that. Um, I do not know in which book it is mentioned, but that Primaris Marines are also resistant against chaos. So uh, we. Do not have yet uh, any remark of uh, Primaris Marine fallen to chaos. That's that's not true, isn't it? This, okay. Th- th- so there is a whole thing. Uh, I can't remember what novel it's in, but there's a whole bit about like I, I think it's a, it might be Dante that talks about it or something like that about the Primaris being uh, unable to fall to the Black Rage and being resistant to chaos. And it turns out later on that neither of those are true? No, 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 no. It's called, um, like, Games Workshop uh, said early on that the primary Marines, like the, um, that Belisarius called perfected the primary Marines also in regard to their original genetic flaws, like we, which we have got on the Blood Angels or the uh, Space Wolves, for example. Like the Carnes Helix and also the Gene Seed of Sanguine, they create intentioned flaws. Like uh, the, the uh, Space Wolves have got the danger to, to uh, evolve into the Wolven, or the Blood Angels have the danger to get into the uh, Red Thirst or Black Rage. And it was mentioned early on that Call uh, has perfected the, the Gene Seed or the Primary Marines in such an extent that also the original flaws are not a matter on it anymore. They are fixed. And, right. But then again, we get to experience in um, Darkness in the Blood um, that that is uh, not actually true because uh, yeah. their Primaris Marines of the Blood Angels chapter um, fall to the Red Thirst or Black Rage. I do not. Maybe it's the both. Black maybe or maybe either of them. N- not yeah. sure about that. But that is not the same thing as falling to uh, Chaos. No, I know, but I'm sure... So, it's not the same source, but I'm sure there is a point where it does get mentioned that some of them have turned traitor. But I don't know not for sure. sure. It might have been like a background reference. It might not be like a technically canon thing. I just have it in my head that it's mentioned at some point. But the fixing the genetic issues in them... Uh, I, I believe it's correct that that technically they shouldn't fall to like the Wolfen curse or uh, the Red Thirst anymore, but the Black Rage is not a genetic flaw, which is why they can still fall to it. it it's not an issue in their gene seed. It's something warp-based because it doesn't matter what your genetics are, you can't have a dead guy's memories without some magic being involved. And when they fall to the Black Rage they actually believe they are Sanguinius and they scream Horus's name and they hunt through, you know, what they believe are the halls of Horus's ship, killing marines that they see as the heresy era ship, uh, marines yep. and stuff like that. So they're actually seeing 
Sanguineus' memories at the time. So it's not yes. a genetic flaw, it's some kind of warp-based nonsense based on his bloodline, I guess. I'm not going to argue about that, and I'm also not going to dive into that too much because <laughs> I am not sure about uh, the whole warp g- uh, gene seed connection thing about that. I, yeah, I'm just it's not an expert on that, on that topic. It's uh, just on an, another level of um, yeah. <laughs> law knowledge that I certainly do not have. Yeah. Uh, did you ever read the Flesh Terrors novel? I think we might have talked about this last time. No. Um, I oh, have yes. Yeah, so you've held off on reading it because it's got such terrible reviews, didn't you? Yeah. Um, I'm not <laughs> going to read it because um, of the reviews I've read about it. It's terrible. It's uh, <laughs> like a really... Sorry for the language, but it's a really shitty work. And um, because... I read reviews from um, from uh, other fellow fans of Warhammer 40k, which uh, are also dedicated readers uh, of of it. Yeah. So I'm rather sure that if they do this, uh, give the strong recommendation to not read a Warhammer 40k book, then I'm then I have a, a great time investment preserved to to not read it. I'm. I strongly um, trust them. Yeah, and so I, yeah. I haven't read it, and I'm also not going to read it. So I, I read it. I, <laughs> I I read the Flesh Terrors novel. Uh, what was it? Wrath of the Lost. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I read that because I got into a little bit where I was doing a bunch of Blood Angels novels. So I did the the trilogy, uh, Dante, uh, Devastation of Baal, Darkness in the Blood. I did all yes. of them. And then uh, the Flesh Terrors novel released while I was in the middle of reading them. I think I was, yes. I was about to finish Devastation of Baal when it was released. Yeah. So I just grabbed it. I was like, I'll read that at the end of it all. And it carries on directly from Devastation of Baal, but it just goes down this like side path for the Flesh Terrors. And the the point of the book and the action scenes in the book are not great, right? Like the, the general point of the book is pretty subpar. If I explained like the general plot, you'd be sitting there going, I, I don't care. What is the plot? Who, who cares? <laughs> right? But there is <sighs> There's a lot of talk about the red thirst and the black rage and the kind of implications of those and uh, how the chapter handles it and things like that. And it's a really good exploration of that part of the lore. It does. It opens up a lot of kind of a lot of room for discussion and it gives you a lot more information about it because the flesh terrors are a legion or sorry our chapter that are entirely focused around yeah. the black rage they're um, basically the, the prime example for for suffering and enduring it exactly yeah and using it to fuel them is their main thing yes. as well so the novel has like a uh, the return of the death companies and stuff like that yeah. which is obviously a big deal uh so uh, yeah, the book doesn't really have any point to it other than just to explore this concept of the Black Rage, really. And if you look at it as just that, it's actually really good. 
if you just want to learn about the Black Rage and see how the chapters handle it and stuff, that part is really good. It's just that they still have to write it like a Warhammer novel. So there's all like the scene setting and like the fighting and stuff, and all of that part's pretty terrible. <laughs> Yeah. So, eh, it depends what you're looking to get out of it. <laughs> it could also be... It, um, I agree with that, because it can, it, it can, also, it, it can be the perfect example for, for that, but there has got to be the frame where it is centered yeah. in, So because there can also be the best action scenes. There, but yes, if the absolutely. rest of the, of the book is it's garbage uh, compared to it, um, it doesn't help with... Uh, getting a good recommendation because yeah. I think Guy Haley for example makes um, has I love Guy Haley Guy Haley is the, the foremost writer of Warhammer 40k books in the modern era so we have mm -hmm. got the Dark Trilogy we have got all the books of Belisarius Call okay there are only two but <laughs> not, they're good nonetheless <laughs> and um, he hasn't um, written um, the line book, but I could also imagine that he writes uh, like a line book. And what Guy Haley does really good, in my estimation, at least, is uh, that he read, uh, that he writes great dialogues. So I love to read yeah. about uh, the dialogues of Booty Gilliman and the Duck uh, Imperium trilogy, because there he breathes life into this character in such a great extent that I just can really imagine Gilliman being like that in Warmer 40k. Yes. I and, agree with you there, yeah. But in comparison, I do not like his action scenes. I think his action mm. scenes are on the better side of, of his writing, uh, or on the worst side of, of yeah. his writing, I, w I wanted to say. And um, they are not the things that keep me um, into his his books. It's all mm. of the other parts: his world building, <laughs> his uh, his character creations, his dialogues, but not his action scenes. Yeah. Did you ever read uh, *Leviathan*, the the new novel? I think it was like the yeah. first one yeah, that yeah, came yes, out. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Not a great fan. Yeah, I w I basically got a. I basically got a terrible review for that, which was uh, it's it's a lot of combat for absolutely no reason plot wise. Like it's it's a lot of action scenes that are all right. They're not bad. They're not amazing. But there's no point to any of it. I think there I was. was like, yeah, I'm just not going to read that. <laughs> There was great potential because we already have got that connection between uh, Ultramarines and uh, Tyranids, which was, mm. of course, the first great uh, Tyrannic War where uh, the Tyranids, I think it was Highfleet Behemoth, but I'm not sure, or was it Draken, the first uh, one? I think Behemoth was the first one that turned up. Behemoth, I think. okay. I think. Uh, which which uh, reached all the way into Ultramar to Macrack. And uh, where it was only stopped by the heavy loss of the first company of the um, Ultramarines, they were killed. All of them were killed. Yeah. And that's why Ultramarines especially hate the Tyranids because they have taken, they have, they took so uh, such a severe damage onto that chapter. And this isn't a thing in Leviathan, the book. 
so we have a brief mention of their history of their past but it's it's uh, the whole book isn't about that which is a pity because there has been such potential to 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 write about that and mm. also about what you um, read in the review there is um, a big part of the book where a character a primaris apothecary um, goes from place A to place B to get something from place B and goes back from pl uh, place B to place A and this whole journey from him going from A to B to B to A uh, it takes so much pages and it does so in an unnecessary way and also that right. is just bad it's it's, it's really not a game, <laughs> great book I, I, I also gave this recommendation not to read that book because I found it yeah it had it had great potential at the start because it felt like the author wanted to write like an alien type of novel of Warhammer mm -hmm. 40k like a, a horror aspect of it which was uh, which was written also great in the first uh, few pages of it but he he lost that um motivation or this this the story wise um line um early on mm. and then it hasn't turned out great yeah that sounds right so i have a question for you right yes what what is your favorite series of novels within 40k but I'm going to say not including the Horus Heresy as one major series. And also not including Siege of Terror? Yeah, well, that is technically just part of the heresy. But I feel like if you ask anyone this question, I feel like basically everyone will answer some section of the Horus Heresy. And I feel like the other smaller storyline series are a better kind of representation of, like, I guess of you personally, of your taste. You know what I mean? So your, your question is what series I like the most? Yes, but not including the Horus Heresy as a as a option. But could you give me some examples? Like, uh, I, like I, I, the... I, I have difficulties with the term of series because I think there ah. aren't that many series of books, at least in, in yeah, my I get current uh, image. So I'm thinking of like the the sets of novels that are like an independent trilogy or duology so like uh, there's if you decided to really like guardsmen all of a sudden you've got the minkalesque series you've okay, got okay. Uh, the fabius Weil you. trilogy you've got the dark imperium trilogy there's a uh, was it the lords of mars trilogy these kind of things so yeah. the, the kind of the smaller independent sets or uh, even the inquisitorial ones like Beckwin and uh, Ravenor and stuff like that, Eisenhorn, those kind of ones as well. Hey, Anything like that. My, my, yeah, yeah, I, I got you. My problem. So whenever I I look on this side, there's <laughs> my bookshelf. So yeah, I'm I'm not distracted, but I'm rather more focusing <laughs> on on your question. Yeah. I haven't read that many series to uh, in the full content. Uh, yeah. So. I have read, uh, of course, Horus Heresy, not all of them, but many. I have read, of course, the Siege of Terror series. I have read um, from the Indomitus Crusade the first three books. Um, 
I've read the Dark Impuman trilogy, I've read the Blood Angels, I've read the um, one of the Space Wolves trilogies. And that's it. So there aren't that many that can compete in, yes. in this question. Uh, so I would say I would say Dark Imperium because <laughs> I love um, the spotlight of I think Primarchs are great characters. So yeah. there is, of course, the, the Primarch series um, is too big, so I wouldn't count that also. I would exclude that out of the question. And um, I think many authors have written about um, Primarchs, but I think Guy Halley does Gilliman justice uh, in the Warmer 40k scenario because... We experienced Gilliman in 30k during the Great Crusade and in the Horus Heresy as an idealist um, who was really caught on the aim of the Emperor, like yeah. um, to, to get um, humans the privilege of living a, fear with, a, a life without fear. To, to conquer the galaxy, to eradicate all Xenos, all dangers, and uh, to also really great take uh, or really great uh, of really great um, importance to it to um, spread the imperial truth. So there mm. are no religions, there are no gods, there's nothing yeah. there. There's just pure reason. And then we see <laughs> a, a Gilliman in Warmer 40k who is just devastated by the state of the Imperium, what has happened in 10,000 years of pure decline to it. We have got uh, we've got a whole new religion, which is like a cancer connected to the Imperium. You cannot um, have the Imperium without the belief of the Emperor being a god yeah. within it in modern Warmer 40k. And he has to deal with all of that. He has to deal with a thousand battlefronts. He has to deal with a thousand problems more than that, actually, with yeah. uncounted problems. And they keep piling onto each other. And he has to do so, like, in a simultaneous way. He has to do so... Simultaneously? Yeah. Yes. He, <laughs> he has not the time... To to um, he would love to have the time to to face each problem um, singularly, but he hasn't got the time for it. Yeah. Yes, and and there are so much grave dangers like the Tyranids, the uh, Necrons with the Silent King, uh, Chaos with the Thirteenth Black Crusade and all yeah. its um, effects onto it. There are yeah, it's it's and it's breaking him. <laughs> yeah, and I. See that in the Dark Imperium trilogy, really, um, really good, and uh, that's why I would choose that. And also, of course, because we have uh, like the opposite of Gilliman, we have got a demonic Primarch, we have Mortarian, yeah. and uh, it's always great to read about uh, Primarchs. Oh yeah. yeah. So that's my take. That's fair. I like that. That's a good one. I feel like you've got good reasons for picking that. I like it. Uh, what would your be? It's so personally. I would probably say that I've been enjoying the Beckwin series more than any other of the novels, but okay. the reasons for that 
is because of the writing style more than anything. I like the way that they do these Inquisitor novels as if they're like these, like, I, I guess Inquisitors are typically written as like an Imperial agent, right? Like it's a spy novel kind of thing. Um, yeah. As long as you don't think about Awakenings, that is. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and to be fair, I like the Awakenings as well, but it's, it's not the same. <laughs> but I, it's something about the way the Beckwin ones have been done where the character is still in this position where they have to, like, fulfill the role of an Inquisitor, but they're by no means an Inquisitor. They have not got the skill set or the resources or anything to be able to do what they need to do properly, but they kind of just accept that they have to do it and just go for it. And I, there's something about that, like, the fact that you've got all these really good bits with, like, old characters coming back from the previous two series... And, like, references to even older characters than that, like, references to uh, things from back in the origin of the Imperium, as well yeah. as this, like, these really good group dynamics and stuff like that we always have with Inquisitors, where they build a little team of, like, ragtag weirdos that shouldn't be together. I, I feel, I just, I don't know, something about it, all the parts are right to me, and it just adds up to a great experience. Yeah, um, I have to say, so also, good points, but I cannot say anything about it because um, in my shelf there is standing uh, like the first book of the Eisenhorn series, Xenos, yeah. and there is standing the whole trilogy of uh, Ravenor and also the two Bankrin series books. I mm. think there's going to be a third one. Yes, there is. Most probably. And um, so I haven't read them. Maybe that would also, or most definitely, this would uh, alter my my answer to mm. some extent. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. And when it comes down to this question, I think it's also always connected to the question: which authors do you like in the Black Library? Yeah. So we've got we've got many authors, and I think my strong recommendation or my my all time top tier authors would be, of course. The, the creator himself, Dan Abnett. Um, we've got Aaron Dembski-Bowden, who hmm. writes really great novels. They, Armageddon and the what? I, I, I like think that. Aaron Dembski-Bowden's novels have the greatest characters um, because he gave them really insights and, and also edges um, that you can think that they are really life characters. Um, and the third one would be Chris Wright, but in Warmer 40k, I would say Guy Haley, because we haven't got that many books concerning the events of of uh, modern Warmer 40k of Aaron Dembski Bowden and so on. Mm. We have got more novels of that, and I I really like them. But Guy Haley is the most prominent of the yeah. modern authors. Yeah, so that would See, be that would be my author. Yes. When it comes to the authors, I would agree with you about uh, about like Dan Abnett and Guy Haley, but I would add John French because the Ironman novels are excellent. Have you read them? <laughs> yeah, they they are so, a truly excellent series, and I honestly I could not praise John French enough for what they've done with it with that series. It, it is really well handled. 
Uh, I have read um, some novels of John French, uh, like from the Siege of Terror series, of course, Solar War, and also the fifth book, Mortis. Yeah. But I have to say, Mortis is by far the weakest books of them, mm. um, if you do not count the novellas into it, because uh, the, the novella of Garrow is arguably the, the <laughs> most... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that it noise had, summed up your point. Just uh. it had good, yeah, it had <laughs> great potential, but that's another point. And yeah. I also read um, his Horus Heresy novels, like Praetorian of Dawn and mm-hmm. uh, Sigismund. And um, I think all of them were great, but arguably, I would say that of all the other authors, they have got. Something that I cannot describe in a good manner that yeah. just takes an edge above John French. Again, Sigismund is a, a 10 out of 10. I also reviewed it and gave it that recommendation because um, when it comes to the character series of uh, the Horus Heresy books, where we have got only three books right now, like Valdor, Luther, and Sigismund, Sigismund yeah. is by far the best of them because it gives exactly what the reader wants. It gives a portrayal of Sigismund, what he stands for, his journey, uh, new things we uh, or new things we did not know of him, things we did know but haven't got uh, any pages or any any law about it and he does a, a great justice to Sigismund as a character. Yeah. So right, there there were a few questions that I probably should have asked you at the start of this that were gonna be like uh uh, I, I don't know, I guess a place to start with, but I think I sh- I'd still like to go through them. Uh, yeah. So the first question is going to be, how did you actually get into Warhammer 40k? Um, yes, good question. I think I got into Warhammer 40k... Um, like my, my, my brother had got uh, Nintendo DS, uh, mm-hmm. Nintendo DS, um, like the, the follow-up model of the uh, Game Boy Advanced. Yeah. And uh, there he had got uh, um, if, uh, yeah, a video game of Warmer 40K. I think that was the first contact. But what really right. got me into the hobby was, uh, I think, the oh, where I've got a strong connection to it was uh, the Warmer 40K Dawn of War um, computer game. Oh, um, yeah. Strategic computer game, I think also like from all of the um, three video games that uh, there are existent, like Dawn of War 1, Dawn of War 2, Dawn of War 3. Dawn of War 1 is the best one. I I didn't know they made a 3. I've got 2. It was 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 devastating. It was devastating Ah. bad. Uh, Devastatingly (laughs) bad. It got really bad uh, reviews because it was really bad and there was also once again i think maybe one of my most uh, preferred sentences during this episode it had much potential but uh, wasted it mm. <laughs> so yeah do not look at it because you should <laughs> it, it's not a good game yeah, it's good to know and i think um, dawn of war one was my first um part which which got me into the hobby and uh, i also can strongly recommend the um the apocalypse mod for the game because it extends the game to such a great um 
length that you have got new factions you have got uh, you can play titans and so on and so on which uh, kept me um which which let me play it for i think 150 game hours or so wow. uh yeah it's ju it's just great um but what got me into the law aspect of it which is which is what i'm all about in the Warhammer 40k universe was then my my first three novels which i bought like i got um i think my first novel was a uh, world engine in, right. in german it's called die weltenmaschine um, by ben counter and it was also perhaps the, per the best book i could have picked because um world engine is a beginner's book um it goes uh, it does great uh, it goes great lengths to to explain all of the specific rules of a space marine chapter um, right. of, of space marine chapter figures so you've got uh, you've got um it, it really is a beginner's book you have got um the the um tech marine the scout master the um scriptor the chaplain the chapter master and all of these get like an explanation right. the, the story goes on and it's about an um, Imperial Fist successor chapter, the Astral Claws. No, no, not the Astral Claws, the what is it? Astral Knights, my bad. Yeah. Uh, which are fighting against Necrons, so you have also got the Necron aspect of it. But it does so in a great manner. So we have also other uh, books which did this, um, which came out like Leviathan was for the 10th edition, mm -hmm. um, Indomitus, the book. The, the title book it's it's called yeah. Indomitus by Geth Thorpe uh, was uh, released for the eighth uh, or for the ninth edition and Dark Imperium by Gay Haley was released for the eighth edition yeah. and Leviathan and uh, Indomitus are perhaps one of the most worst books I've read so World Engine does a great honor and um, to complete uh, or to completely answer your question. Um, so it was um, Dawn of War, the video game. It was World Engine as a book, and then to get me really <laughs> to, to to set my interest into Warhammer 40k and to to bring it up to uh, a crazy uh, life-eating uh, time hobby. <laughs> um, it was um, Fulgrim um, or the Last Phoenix. I've got a uh, companion book. Um, of uh, the Horus Heresy novels of the Emperor's Children. So right. just give me one a moment. Uh. Like it's that one. Um, ah, I think yeah. in English it's it's the last phoenix, and uh, as you can see, it's quite a big chunk because it um, has got the novels Fulgrim, like the fifth uh, Horus Heresy novel, into yeah. it. Uh, Angelus Exterminatus, um, which uh, covers for the first time the um, Iron Warriors and mm -hmm. also uh, Fulgrim's ascension to demonhood. And, and then all um, also short stories and novellas which uh, were connected into it, like uh, also the the part where 
Fulgrim gets tortured by his own Space Marines, like by Lucius, by Fabius Bile, I don't know, because they think he is possessed by a demon, which he was, but not at that point of time anymore. Yeah. And, uh, which is also quite hilarious and also shows um, that Fulgrim has, to that point, fully committed to chaos. Because when he killed Pharos Manus in, in, in the book Fulgrim um, during the Dropside Massacre, he didn't do it intentionally because that was the point where the demon took over his, yeah. his, his physical form and did it for him because Fulgrim just couldn't do it. He mm-hmm. couldn't kill his most beloved brother, Primark. And um, after that, Fulgrim gets again his buddy back and uh, banished uh, the, the demon into um, a painting, which was what the demon did to Fulgrim. And yeah. this just shows that Fulgrim is just full on slanish, chaos, demonhood. Fulgrim's yeah. storyline is just nonsense, isn't it? <laughs> It's nonsense, but it's great nonsense. Uh, and, Fulgrim yeah, is like, probably one of the <laughs> three books which, if I would have to rate my all-time tier list of all the Warhammer 40k books, uh, including Chorus Heresy and so on and so on, I would rate Fulgrim pretty high because yeah. of my strong emotional attachment to it as uh, the book which brought me really into the hobby and because it's just written really great. It is, yeah. Uh, so sorry for the long answer, but no, that's no, it. it's fine. That's what I was after. Uh, I feel like the uh, the like backstories or the the kind of like secondary storyline stuff in the Felgrim novel is also really well done. Secondary? What do uh, you mean? You know how the stories always have like uh, three characters that all have their own storyline, and they like every chapter jumps between them and stuff. Yes. I always I felt like all of them were really strong in the Fulgrim novel. Yeah, like like, like with, the, with the painting uh, and stuff like that, and the Maravigilia. Yeah. I feel yeah, like also that, the, the Memorata who not the Memorata but uh, the the, the that, artist who created the uh, statue of the Emperor, where he got impaled uh, at yeah. last by Fulgrim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, great, really great. Loved it. Yeah, I I can't remember his name now. That's gonna annoy me. <laughs> uh, I can look it up. <laughs> yeah. I think it was also in something like uh, Ossian, Ossian de Fleur. Or that something was like that. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, no, that was an absolutely excellent storyline. I love that. Have to yeah. read it again. Because <laughs> now uh, that I have the book right before me, I want to read it again. Yeah, was it? Uh, he ends up impaled on it, and then she impales herself on it because she couldn't like believe what she had done. Yes, like, yes, I've because all... she was in love, but uh, then realized um, how much uh, chaos had taken a toll out of her, like yeah. uh, physically and also mentally. Of co- of course, much more mentally than physically. Yeah. And uh, she just realizes, yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> maybe it's, I... it's a good way to end your life. <laughs> I-, I love. I love the idea of that image and I really want to see someone's like artwork of it. I really want to find like a really nicely done stylized like picture of that someone's drawn of these two people impaled on a statue of the emperor in the like, artist studio. Yeah. I feel like um, that would be really cool. <laughs> I love that they did exactly that take on um, the first trilogy books uh, of the Horus Heresy. Like there is the um, the famous picture which um, also Kayla 
the the uh, supposed saint uh, did of Loken when she was uh, only a memorator, oh, yeah. a imaginist. When uh, Loken take uh, uh, took the oath of the moment from Abaddon, or, yeah. or not not from Abaddon, but uh, I I think uh, Sergatagos or someone someone like that. Where the whole Monoville assembled and also the company of Lokens before he uh, ventured onto uh, to 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 oppose the enemies of the Whisper Heights or whatever it was called. Whisperheads. Uh, Whisper thank you. Yeah. And that image which she she did in the book it's uh, has some artists made in reality and it's uh, it also it looks really great. Yeah. See, I, I love stuff like that. I love people's recreations yeah. of the artwork yeah. in real life. So, the next question I had, I feel like people could probably guess. It's probably going to be a pretty simple answer. I was going to clarify, which is your favourite faction within 40k? <laughs> Being that we've Definitely. only spoken about humanity and space marines so far, it seems like a safe guess, but, you know. <laughs> Definitely space marines. Um, I'm really all about space marines because uh, I... I like that they are kinda invulnerable, that they have got so many strengths, but also, of course, weaknesses. But um, I think like, any other faction is not interesting to me. Like, Xenos are like Xenophils, so I do not <laughs> want to read about Orcs or Necrons. Of course, I've also got some, some books about them. Like, um, Standing in My Chef, like, Forever is also uh, the. Was it called, you said, a duology, right? When there are only two books in yes. a series? Uh, of um, the Twice-Dead King. I do not know. Do oh, you know that? Uh, Rain and... Rain and Ruin. Yeah, Rain and Ruin. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, Ruin was the first one. Rain was the second one. And they are really great, or so many reviews say. Um, uh, Nate, Nate Crowley, who wrote them, is... a uh, kind of, a, he's a new artist or a new writer of, of Black Library, but right. he has done a, a great job on that. Or so many says, or uh, the, the uh, majority says. But uh, I haven't um, had the time or the the motivation to to read it just now. Yeah, and I do not like to uh, read about Imperial Guard because I think they are commonly the the cannon fodder of of <laughs> warmer 40k uh, yeah. but then again i i have read also some of them like um the last book i i read about them were uh, was a fall of cadia and uh, it doesn't does them also justice but of course space marines is is my favorite faction yes yeah out of curiosity uh, have you read cadia stands and uh, no of the minska less series the cadia stands no Right. So it was the first stands, one of them, right? Yes, aye. So it is truly an excellent novel, right? It, it does this typical thing where you get these three separate storylines that all kind of mm. go along at the same time. And uh and it, it follows Minka. I can't remember who the the other who another one is, but the last one mm. it follows is this uh this like captain of the Hutcadian 101st. And 
it's funny because the, their whole storyline is them getting like like mess around with their orders. Their orders keep changing all the time, and eventually mm. they get like deposited into this like mountain uh, stronghold that they have no way of leaving. So they just have to mm. sit for like half of the book, listening to uh, Creed's messages on the radio for like war updates as the planet burns around them, and they can't do anything. And there is one of the best scenes in any Warhammer 40k novel when Creed turns up to tell them what is going on. It is amazing. So, like, I I remember I wasn't, like, I didn't dislike the other parts of that book, but the storyline with the Cadian 101st is amazing. And the rest of the Minkalesque series also follows that, uh, that leader, because he ends up moving up the ranks and ends up leading uh, the Cadian Hundred and First as like a whole regiment, it's it's truly excellent. Could not recommend it more. But I've now read through three of the Minkalesque novels uh, purely because I bought Shadow of the Eighth, which is the newest in the series. Uh, yes. I bought it and then went, oh my god, now I'm going to read about Guardsmen. <laughs> You not only bought it, but you bought limited edition. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. So I bought that, and then I had to sit there and go, well, now I'm going to have to read about Guardsmen. And then I started reading them, because I realized that that Kadia Stans was actually the first in the series, and I had really enjoyed it. So I got Traitor Rock, which is the second, and, oh, God, what is the third? Uh, I don't know, I've blanked it. Regardless. Uh, but I've... But what, I've no, I, did you... Haven't you gotten... Uh, did you not got the um, oh the collection the last white shield where like where all of the previous uh, books were um, combined into one book? Uh, no, I didn't get that unfortunately. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's because I listen to them as audiobooks, so I can listen to oh. them while I'm working. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Because I don't get a lot of time to sit down and read, but I do get plenty of time that I can pretend to work while listening to an audiobook. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm on the third in the series just now, and I'll be honest with you, I'm loving every minute of it. So I didn't particularly like just normal Garsman either, but this series has really got me into it. So I think I'm gonna branch out and do a bit more Garsman stuff in future. Nice. So yeah, so I'd recommend at least giving Katie a stanza shot because, as I say, I could not recommend it more, even just for that one storyline. <laughs> You know, the problem about that is that I have so many books yeah. on my pile of shame that I would love to read it, and I'm going to read it, but I do not know when. Because uh, maybe a couple there, of years oh, there's, there's already, I've got the huge um, load of um, Eisenhorn, Ravenor, Bankrin, <laughs> yeah. which I do know are exquisite, yes. because... Everyone who has read them and says it's great, read them. Xenos, Eisenhorn, Eisenhorn Peps, one of the best works in the whole Black Library, all the best works. And it's still standing there. It looks at me uh, disgusted, probably, <laughs> because it's, it stands there for about two years now. And I haven't taken, um, I have not taken my time on it because I know when I start Xenos, it's probably so good that I'm going to have to read 
Maleus, I have to read uh, Hereticus, I have to read yeah. Margos, and then of course I have to read all of the Ravenor books, all of the banking books, and there are nine books. <laughs> yeah. And I have to read nine books before I can read something in between or uh, or what comes after. Like there is got I I do know that there's a Siege of Terror books going to release. I do know that yeah. probably uh, the Primer book of Horus is going to release. I strongly hope that another book of Gideon or the Lion is going to be released. And I have to take all of them apart. But I of course I want to be one of the readers. Um, when it comes when when it's released to to be also one of the fresh readers to read it in the same instance yeah no i get what you mean uh so the the last kind of question that i had that i had like prepared for this yes. was it's a pretty simple one because i already knew which which faction was your favorite but which legion is your favorite it can, it can be either like 30k or modern day because obviously there's quite a lot of changes in the middle you mean which chapter well it could be chapter yes okay um i would say loyalist wise i would say imperial fist and traitor wise i would say iron warriors all right okay that's fair hmm. Hmm. yeah interesting for no. me, it's uh, yeah. it's Blood Angels on the loyalist side. Actually, it's Blood Angels or uh, or Space Wolves because I do love my Space Wolves. They're just they're hilariously yeah. funny. They're like the only space... chapter or legion with a sense of humor. <laughs> space Wolves would be my my second one on the loyalist yeah. side. Actually, I I think they would be my favorite on the on the loyalist side, and Blood Angels might be the second. Uh, but traitor wise, it has to be has to be Thousand Sons. Mm, as, yeah. as much as I've grown to like to not be as much of a fan of Magnus as times went on, uh, as a legion, their storyline is still incredible, and I love Araman. He is possibly my favorite character. Yeah, yeah. Mainly because he's like the guy's like a walking inferiority complex, and I love that. <laughs> Which you can say about. Seriously, so many characters in Warm of Fortune. <laughs> yeah, but none, none of them like end up with like disassociative, disassociative personality disorder because of it and become a different guy. Because <laughs> like in the first Armin book, it takes place right or well, it takes place after the whole uh, rubric thing. So he's been banished from the planet of the Thousand Suns and all that. Yeah. And when it starts, he thinks he's like a different guy. And he's got like a new name and he's just this pathetic little weirdo being beaten by a group of like random Chaos Marauders. In which book is, is the rubric taking place? Is there a book which it, it, it takes actually I, place? I don't think it actually takes place in a novel. Okay. Because yeah. I always wondered about it. If I have read um, Thousand Suns and Prospero Burns, but I haven't read um, Crimson, uh, the, the, the Crimson King of the Horus Heresy, where um, it follows the, the story of the Thousand Suns. But I have then again read uh, Fury of Magnus, like the Siege of Terror variant. Yeah. And um, till then, I think there hasn't taken place the there has the rubric hasn't took place. Until then, the rumor uh, takes place after the Horus Heresy has ended. Yeah. Okay. And 
Ariman want, wanted to uh, to prevent the flesh change finally. Yes. yes. Forever to, to okay. That was but the idea. I all, what I find difficult is also always the numbers of legionaries which are existent in the Horus Heresy or after that. Because I do know that at some point, um, I think it was uh, Carl, the Book of Carl's, if, 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 fear, what is it? No, no fear. Oh, um, yes. Yeah, I think there the legion numbers were retconned by Black Library or Warm of uh, mm -hmm. or Games Workshop. Uh, until then, when you read the first novels of the Horus Heresy, you have got um, the numbers that say that Legion has got like 10,000 space reads or so. Yeah. I think. And um, in No No Fear, we get to experience that a normal Legion has got 10 times that number. Like yeah. 100,000 is, is like the, the standard. The standard. The yeah. standard size. And we do know that the Ultimate Reads have got 250,000. Because yeah. due because to the worlds some, of uh, Ultramar. Yeah, I would say also because of the second and the eleventh legion. We have, right. we have we have some mention where where it says that. Um, so yeah, every time they every time one of those legions disappeared, the Ultramarines number. The Ultramarines swelled. got bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Which I, I find... don't believe that. Because we know, so we've also had confirm. Because I know the bit you're talking about, right? Because I got really into the idea of these two missing Primarchs for a while and did a lot of research into it. And uh, so I found that, and I was like, "Oh, that's really cool." But then we also have confirmation, which is that Russ murdered both of them. Russ and the the a. Uh, you know, the Emperor's dogs hunted yeah, and yeah. killed all of these Space Marines and their Primarchs. So I'm like, well, that doesn't add up because they couldn't no. have recruited from them if they killed them. But No, it, it, it is mentioned that Rusk um, and um, his Legion were sent after them to sanction them. Like, uh, it says that it wasn't... When Rusk is sent after Magnus, it said yeah. it, it, it wasn't the first time that um, he has done that task or uh, yeah. that a legion goes to war with another legion so yeah. which is called before the heresy is just a no-go like yeah. nobody even dares to think about it nobody even can think about that yeah but uh, then again we have got this ex probably we do not know the extermination of a second and the 11th legion with their yeah. primark but it is mentioned that um, Lehman Russ was uh, and the space rules were sent after them. But it's I think it's not mentioned that he exterminated each of the legionnaires. Fair. It's not explicitly said that he kills every single one of them. Or anything yeah, like that, yeah. And I think but, that uh, it's it's kind of he killed the primarchs or whatever, and uh, that the, the remind or maybe also the the most loyalist to to the primarch whatever. And yeah. uh, the reminders, which would probably a huge take because 100,000 legionnaires per, per legion uh, yeah. were, were um, added to the ultramarines. So, right, this is, uh, this is where another issue comes in, though, right? So, say there is 100,000 marines to each legion, right? So, you've got mm -hmm. ultramarines for 100,000, and then you've got the second and the 11th, each 100,000. Mm -hmm. Right? 
each of their Primarchs or their legions do something so unforgivable that you have to eradicate them, right? Yes. So, say the Primarchs are killed, and then yes. their most loyal troops who will not stop fighting for them are also wiped out. And that's, yes. say... 25,000 of the Marines. So you yes. get 150,000 in total added to the yes. uh, Ultramarines. That gives you their 250,000. Yeah. My issue is that that would then mean that 150,000 Ultramarines are not actually Ultramarines and have a different gene seed. But that is yes. never mentioned, and they would be visibly different people. You would spot them a mile off. If you have... Mm-hmm. Put it this way, if you have a space wolf among a bunch of uh, ultramarines, it's not the armor color that tells you they're a different thing. It's the fangs and the crazy long hair and the fact that they look Slavic in nature. They look like a different person. But if you have got a Dark Angel on Premier Fist on Iron Warrior between the ultramarines, you could actually say that it's not such a difference. It's not such a difference, but like the apothecaries and stuff that had to handle it would notice. Like It would be a thing, because the... Let's be honest, Space Marines are slightly racist towards other Space Marine chapters or allegiance. They all have this like superiority thing, right? Like the Wolves of Russ think that the Wolves of Russ are the best ones. The Gillibans ones think they're the best ones, everyone like, like they wouldn't just suddenly adopt in seventy-five thousand new brothers that are all like from the reject legion that we had to kill and be like, Oh yeah, you're one of us now. Like they would all hate each other. <laughs> they would never well, accept that. Yeah, but then there's also the matter when it took place because of over a course, the the yeah. Great Crusade itself doesn't took that long. It it's a, I think maybe two hundred years plus or so. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so which is in the expense of uh, or in the universe of Warhammer Forty K is nothing. Yeah. But in that time, it, so much happened because of all the Primarchs and so on and so on. Um, we do know that, of course. But um, when it was when they were adapted early on, there has there's the adaptation time could have been that long that it doesn't take uh, any difference in in like one hundred years forth from that point. Yeah. And, oh. Uh, oh no, never mind. I was going like, to say the other like, thing like, is. Like, like, they em- they they emerged like as as a legion together, and also in the Primark book of uh, Booty Gilliman, he also um, does that to to his ultramarines. Like the, have you read it? I have not. The, no. Okay, it's about Gilliman. It's after uh, after the recent events of the raising of Monarchia. Right. And Gilliman. Um, wants to uh, prove to his legion and also to himself that they are not a legion which is, or the spacemen are not about all dev- devastating, but they are greater, they are builders. Yeah. Funnily enough, they are, in this book, they are eradicating orcs. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he has a problem within his own legion because he has got the destroyers. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the. the Specialist teams which have got all the heavy weapons, like uh, also force facts, bombs, and all the crazy shit. Yeah. And um, he, their uh, captain dies or their chapter master, whatever. And um, they have a problem um, because the destroyers have always been like an independent 
mh, Chapter or an independent part of the Legion. Yeah. And Gilliman wants to bring them to together to, into the Legion and to show them they are not an in independent part and what's rather more important that the Legion has to, to be coherent also in the case if Gilliman himself should die. He also mentions that ex explicitly. And uh, I think that's one part that shows um, when we follow the thought of, of the Legions combining, like the, mm -hmm. the second, the 11th and the 13th together, that uh, Gilliman is also, of course, a logician, but he's, uh, suppose, yeah. he's, he's a good thinker and he's a good tinkerer when it comes to, yeah. to, uh, to these elements of organizing Legion elements. Yeah, I suppose if anyone was going to put them together in a cohesive way, it would be Gilliman. It would, yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, we have been at this for hours now, so I feel like maybe this is a good place to leave off for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is this has been good. I feel like uh, this was a good way to kind of start off having a new guest. To just sit down and have a good chat and kind of... I think anyone watching will be able to get a good idea of, uh, I, I guess, the kind of the areas you're interested in and the kind of the way you look at stuff from this. Yeah. So I feel like this is a good place to move forward from. I think it is, in hindsight, crazy what amount of topic we have covered. Like, we have got 30k topics, general topics, 40k topics, personal matters, something like that. Uh, yeah. It's such an amount of time. So... <laughs> your first question or one of the first questions you asked me um was how i um what what my thoughts were about the novel of berisarius called the great work and i haven't even covered that question or the answer <laughs> to it <laughs> because we moved fluently from one question to another <laughs> yeah and <laughs> it's it's not bad Rather the opposite. Uh, I, I like that approach, and, and yeah. I, I like that we have like a, a coherent um, discussion or uh, talk with each other. Um, and I, I I appreciate the opportunity to have that because normally I have nobody to talk to that extent about Roma Forty K. Uh, yeah, so I have a similar really thing. Yeah, uh, I'm in a similar boat in not having people to have this kind of discussion with because. Yeah. When I do talk about it, I usually talk about it with Mez, who obviously the whole point is he doesn't know much about it. And of then course, I've got a friend yes. of mine I've got a friend of mine from back in high school who was the one that got me into Warhammer. And he knows everything there is to know about it because he's so far into it. But he also yeah. is into fantasy and Age of Sigmar. So yeah. I'll mention I'll be like, Oh, have you read this new book? And he's like, Of course I have. I've read all of them, and you're like, all right, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and then he'll end up going in a big route about like how it lines up with fantasy and Age of Sigmar, and the kind of the like the ways they intertwine storylines and stuff like that. And I'm sitting yeah. there like, I, I understand about a third of this conversation. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I don't even know what like half of what you're talking about is. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I, it's nice to be able to just sit down and have a chat with someone on like a similar level, you know. Yeah, yeah. Of course, and as you you have noticed yourself, uh, I could I could talk with you for another four hours or so on. Yeah. So because <laughs> I it's it's just 
such a great hobby law wise and there are so many potential threats and topics and so on it's it's lovely as yeah so what we'll need to do is we'll need to figure out something that we're going to talk about next time that we do this i feel like <laughs> I maybe yes. we need to pick like a specific topic so that we can at least pretend we're like passing on information rather than just chatting yeah <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> whittle it down to like one area or something like that but we'll figure it out i think so yeah i think that that's not a problem really yeah i don't think it will be i think it's just a matter of picking one you know yeah yeah but i think we'll leave it off there for today if that's cool with you of so, course i'm gonna try and mimic maze's outro here but uh thank you guys for watching and we will see you next time bye